Hello and welcome to this all new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And, most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show! I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Teresha Zeglowitz. She's going to be reading to us from Chicago, where she is poet in residence at the Chicago Poetry Center. And she is an associate editor of Rhino Magazine, which is out there. And among her many uh, past accomplishments and activities, she was one of the organizers for the Defenders of the Water School at Standing Rock Reservation. She's also received a Pushcart Prize, which is notable because as any poet knows, many are called, but few are chosen when it comes to pushcarts. And so let's get right to it. Teresa, I'm so glad you're here. I met Teresa at a reading out of Chicago and uh, her poems were just very pleasing to my ear. And I just said, well, we got to get her on the podcast. So here you go, you're here. <laughs> Charlie, thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so thrilled and honored to be here on the podcast with you. Thank you. Okay. Before we came on, I said to me, this is the obvious question. How did it come to be that you were at the Standing Rock Reservation? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so as, as Charlie is alluding to, um, yeah, my, my book here is about, um, the No Dapple movement at Standing Rock um, and a school that I helped run for the kids at the um, Ocheti Shekoe camp that was there as folks were indigenous folks and allies were standing up against the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, and so I was there. Um, I used to teach um, on Rosebud Reservation in South Dakota. Um, and I was no longer living in the area, but um, the camp was happening and so I stopped by to bring some donations and to see some folks and to um, support um, and met my friend Elena Eagleshield who was starting this school for the kids at the camp and um, ended up staying you know, I was going to stay a couple days and then I said, okay, I'll stay a week. And then I said, okay, I'll stay two weeks. Okay. I'll stay a month. And then, um, I ended up staying, um, about five months, um, and working with her and some other folks to, um, run the school at the camp. Did the school cover all grades or how did you do that? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was, um, so we did it as a kind of homeschool situation to work with families and the community um, to, um, for families to be able to mm -hmm. educate their kids within the movement, um, within the culture and everything that was happening there. Um, and so we worked um, with kids from about kindergarten through middle school. Great. Yeah. Well, that had and, to be a, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just saying it had to be a really interesting experience. It was. And, yeah. And also in that context. It was, it was, it was really, really beautiful. It was amazing to be able to be a part of um, an educational movement that was really, you know, for and by the community. You know, I'm really lucky that I was able to support that. Um, I was really grateful for that to really be able to think about what does, you know, if a community is really designing like what they want for their young people, like what does that look like, you know? And that's really the starting point. Um, and it was so, so beautiful to be able to be a part of that. Um, and it was also really intense. You know, there was a lot of, um, a lot of violence from the police at the camp and it was um, intense to, you know, be working with young people um, in that situation. Um, but they were amazing, you know, they were, amazing and insightful and um wow. yeah it was it was a really incredible experience and uh your poems cover this period correct yeah i yeah. think we should, i think we should hear hear a poem and we'll get back to talking because uh, we got to mix it back and forth yeah 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 let's do it let's do it so let me since we've been talking about this all right, so this is um, this is a poem to my husband. Um, it's called Postcard from Standing Rock. Um, and this poem, if you listen, you'll hear it's actually a, a mirror of itself. Um, and so this is about not leaving <laughs> when I said I was gonna leave after two days. Postcard from Standing Rock. I wish you were here. I know every day I was supposed to leave yesterday. Pack up the hollow bones of the tent, stop feeling each night like a stowaway in the sway of the grass. But you know how I love this work. The tiny snapping turtles in the river, the wild plums tart on my tongue, my days full with kids weaving drums, the bright sinew holding everything together. You're already back in Missouri, keeping lit our garage sale lamps. When after school, Val and Elena surprised me with the camper, home sweet home sign hung on the door, and the deep blue curtains Val stitched just for me, with strawberry pop tarts in the cabinets, nestling in like honeysuckle nectar. And I know then I can stay, and I will nestling in like honeysuckle nectar with strawberry pop tarts in the cabinets and the deep blue curtains Val stitched just for me with the camper home sweet home sign hung on the door when after school Val and Elena surprised me you were already back in Missouri keeping lit our garage sale lamps holding everything together my days full with kids weaving drums, bright sinew, the wild plums, tart on my tongue, this work of the tiny snapping turtles in the river. Know how I love 
you. But in the sway of the grass, I stop feeling each night like a stowaway, the hollow bones of the tent packed up yesterday. I was supposed to leave. I know. Every day, I wish you were here. Oh, that's so lovely the way you do that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, the you it. And the, and the details in there. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a picture of a bit of what your life was like. Yeah. Early, early on, things were just um, very celebratory and um, gentle and um, yeah, just a really, really exciting, exciting moment of the movement, you know, so I really wanted to make sure that the book also captured that early, early joy and kindness yeah. that was there before the violence really increased. Yeah, has it, I haven't followed it in this sense, has is, is this been written about now? I mean, like someone kind of documenting almost like a journalist kind of thing? Um, about happened? the the school or about the movement? I guess the whole thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, well, what I can, let me give one plug to, to another podcast actually. So the school is still, the school is still going on, working on having a long-term culturally based school on Standing Rock um, mm -hmm. and NPR's Code Switch just did a big episode on it. Um, so if folks okay. want to learn more about what's currently happening with the school, they can, they can follow that. Um, yeah, and there are definitely, definitely things um, written about the movement. Um, uh, um, a Lakota historian named Nick Estes wrote a book called, um, I want to say, Our History is Our Future. Um, and so that's a wonderful wonderful book to learn more about the movement as a whole for sure okay great wow all right now now you uh, currently are working with kids as you're uh, being a poet in residence here uh, what's that about yeah so that's um i work with the chicago poetry center and i work in two different um chicago public schools um and i work with middle schoolers which is mostly a new age for me but which has been um been exciting to see their see their minds working and um you know be with them as they are, you know, really expressing their feelings through poetry, which has been great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's a lot of fun. It's, you know, it's been interesting and, and good to be able to be an energetic that. time of life. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I think middle schoolers have so much to say, you know, and I think are not listened to as much as they they need and deserve, you know, so it's, it's good to, to be with them and, yeah. and doing that, you know, and I think it's a really good age for poetry, right? <laughs> it's a really good age for poetry of a lot of feelings. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. So, uh, how about another poem? Yeah, let's do it. Well, so, okay. So we're talking about kids and teaching and, um, so, this one um, is called There Are No Police in this poem. And so this, um, this happens, this is a poem later on after, you know, really violence has, has escalated again, not from the camp, but really from the police, you know? Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is 
I sometimes had to go to the casino to use the internet and the kids did not, did not like me to be leaving in my car without them. Um, so, so this is a moment of them, of them sort of, of, of taking over, um, which I appreciate. There are no police in this poem, only the kids balancing in their snow boots, the log beneath them rainbowed in resistance slogans. Slush gray light, interrupted by the bright flags of their arms, they wave down our car. Teachers, teachers! We unclick the loose tooth of each manual lock and the dinged up doors, full weight of the kids on their handles, fly open like the arms of startled infants. There are no police in this poem. Only Shawnee Ray, my foot as her springboard, vaulting to the council, asterisking my borrowed skirt with the juice of her gas station pickle. Only Shelby's hands, winging my books from the back seat. And Shailena, who can't be bothered, wedging her knees into the narrow volumes of poetry, slick picture book covers. I'm saying there are no police in this car where Frankie lunges over everybody, her arms and long black cape of a coat wrapped around baby Dylan, marshmallow man in his snowsuit, fingers sour patch sticky. Somehow, suddenly, my hands, my feet are off the wheel, the pedals, I am ankle deep in the snow. All the teachers are shivering spectators of this wild joy. And I can see it doesn't belong to me, but I can love it anyhow. There are no police anywhere. As Emma's elbow pokes the horn, beep, 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 jostling through the snow, muffle of prairie as Reina and Nyla and RJ co-sardine the driver's seat, getaway curls smushed on the felt of the ceiling. There are no seats left in the car. So Michael and Layton scramble the windshield, sprawl on the roof. There are only the kids shouting the ecstatic tally of themselves. One, two, three, all the way to 14 as they take this frame that looked so inflexible and make space there for each of their bodies. That's great. Definitely get the picture. <laughs> Which is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, you know, <laughs> it was not great for my car, but I, I respect yeah. their, you know, <laughs> their enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, their enthusiasm, their autonomy. <laughs> not to mention affection. Yeah, yeah, I know. Really, it's just so cool. It's very cool. Yeah. You had, a, you had another poem uh, somewhere, it was online, I guess, about, about going to a demonstration, mm -hmm. which I thought was, was, was interesting. I don't know, this kind of reminds me of it, like activity with a lot of people doing things out yeah. there. You know, it's unique to the context. 
I can. Would you like me to read that one? I've got that well, one. I here. think it'd be great because I, I think sure. it, it can follow. I think it follows that in the sense, as I said, a, a lot of people doing something in that context out there, and I get a picture of what it is. So to me, that's pretty cool. Sure, <laughs> sure, yeah. Don't so you this... agree, listeners? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, friends. <laughs> um, so, so this poem is called "Rally at the Capitol." So this is one of the. Um, few poems that, that doesn't happen at the camp in the book, um, or at least in the first two thirds of the book. Um, but yeah, there was a big demonstration, as you said, Charlie, um, at the Capitol in Bismarck that the, the camp all kind of showed up to. Um, so this is rally at the Capitol, Bismarck, North Dakota. Camp bursts from buses, vans, opens like an agate on the state-sponsored lawn. Uniform and overmode blades obscured now by bright jingle dresses, jewel toned, I stand with standing rock tees. Water is life signs float like sails, let us believe our collective bodies could be a boat. Ricardo shares a sketch, a small girl placing a flower in the gaping throat of a gun. The ends of red fawn's ribbon skirt flutter like the cobalt butterflies back at camp and everyone chants, protect the sacred, protect the sacred. We round dance, rise and fall like one set of lungs. Our skyward fists are a release of balloons. And none of this requires the rows of National Guard men swaddled in riot gear, matched in ill-fitting pants. I lay on the grass beside a huddle of quiet kids. RJ asks why there are so many cops, so many guns, when nobody has done anything violent. Sherry says they want us to start getting afraid. The monolith of men shadow us like the brutalist building they line up before. The obligatory blankness in their faces blurring and disappearing the bowed lips, birthmarks, moles, the small asymmetries their lovers must think of at night. Yeah, again, I get the picture, which is which is which is really pleasing to get Thank the picture. You. Not the picture, but to get <laughs> Thank you so much, Charlie. Yeah, really seriously. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Cobalt butterflies. Also, that was nice. <laughs> thank you cobalt's just a nice word it is it's a word that feels good in your mouth isn't it yeah cobalt. and you yeah, read it somewhere solid. and you go, oh cobalt wow yeah, it's a solid like, word. Uh, people should probably use it more just because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go back to something you said earlier yeah. uh the middle schoolers yes yeah uh what i want to find out from you is what sort of what you think about it. What do you do with them? Yeah. If, someone, if someone were going in blind to a, you know, new cold to a classroom <laughs> of middle schoolers, what would you suggest <laughs> to that person? <laughs> I mean, I think um, they just need space to talk about what they're thinking and feeling, you know? So, um, you know, we read poems, we um, have really been reading poems by a lot of Chicago poets, also by um, Eve L. Ewing and Jamila Woods. Um, yeah, we've been we've been reading some some amazing poets. So we'll I'll go in and 
um, Jose Oliveres. So we'll go in and read some poems together and talk about them and, um, you know, talk about what's working in them and what tools they're using, but also then just kind of talk about our lives and talk about our feelings a little bit, All you right. know, um, you gotta do that. Gotta make space for that. Right. And, oh, yeah. and then they'll, they'll write and, um, yeah, they're writing some beautiful things and we'll be doing some sharing in May and some celebrating of the work uh, that they've been doing. So you, do you give them any particular, I, I understand the idea of the emphasis being on the experience. Yeah. That's a great way in to poetry. Do you, mm -hmm. do you tell them any particular things about writing? Yeah. Other than just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's really um, exciting about poetry to me is um, just being able to do whatever you need to do to make the poem work. Right. Um, that there's there's not rules in the same kind of way. You know, um, right. I really I really enjoy experimenting um with form, the, you know, no police poem um, that I just read looks kind of really wild on the page with um, lots of slashes and this thin column that opens up near the end. Um, I used a lot of documents in writing this mm -hmm. um, as well. Those don't read as well without the visual, um, but there's, there's a lot of poems that use different documents. So um, it's fun for me to get to share that with them and say like, okay, you know, which is, really appealing to middle schoolers right to get to say like all right yeah, do wild things your job is to do whatever you need to do on the page to say what you want to say write it wild all over everywhere you know like use different handwriting do whatever you need to do to say the thing you know um that you need to say like change the syntax use more than one language you know um so, so that's, that's exciting. I think that's yeah. the thing that I, I most enjoy getting, getting to tell them and getting to say to them. And again, I think works well with the middle school psyche. Yeah. Sounds good to me too. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that freedom. Yeah. I love that freedom. You know, they're always saying, can I do this? Can this one be short? Cause can this one be long? And I love getting to be like, poetry is the place sure. where you can do whatever you want. You know? <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> Loosen up and do it. Yeah. You know, we talk about metaphor and simile and poetry, oh, yeah. that good stuff too. But yeah. it's the freedom that I really like getting to emphasize, especially. Yeah. 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 Those other things will come. <laughs> right. If you read enough poetry, you'll naturally just drift into that. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of believe that. Well, I, I think, think we, so. I think we have time for one more poem, the poem of your choice. All right. So this is I'll, I'll read one from the um, from the end of my book, which is um, that that piece of the book happens after camp. I was gone home, which was St. Louis at the time. Um, and this is um, I had I had back surgery. Right. I kind of messed up my back at the camp. And so um, this one is this one takes place in the hospital after my surgery. In the hospital, I wake still believing I, oh, and let me say Highway 1806 is the highway that runs through Standing Rock. All right, in the hospital, I wake still believing I belong to everything. My body is Highway 1806, snakeskin secreted in river grass and the pitchy chirp of the machine beside my ear, making linear the story of my pulse. 
and the meadowlark's crushed tail feathers still ruffled in the wind of the semis. And the nurses who check me and the flies fucking loudly in the grass and the soft breath of pencils on the chart. My body is the suspended ceiling, tiles racing in dirty currents above my head and the river smooth acorn and the crinkled periwinkle curtain shushing the room in two. Tonight, I can't remember the drum's nightly rhythms and my body is the small jeweled cries my roommate sends up from her sleep and the dress coat balled beneath my husband's head as his shoulders twist against the vinyl chair. My body is a four inch incision packaged in gauze and the path of someone else's scalpel through my spine and a stranger's hands on the small of my back. Tell me, faded blue flowers of the hospital gown, bag of morphine, bag of saline. Do you think it's snowing there tonight? I had to give up a piece of me in order to walk again. My body is a body, healing in a neurosurgery ward. The lights that bloom along my wired arm are only the EKG. All right. Well, we got from beginning to end there. <laughs> a little art. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's been really great, Teresa. I'm so glad we could finally connect here and uh, record this episode. Thank and you so, so much, Charlie. I really appreciate it. All right. Um, Charlie, can I can I quick direct readers to one more place to read? Absolutely. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I really, really would love to encourage folks also to read um, some poems by Native poets who are writing about Standing Rock. And one great place to do that is um, Orion Magazine had a feature um, called Women of Standing Rock, which is all um, Indigenous poets writing about Standing oh. Rock. And it's really, really beautiful and photography and poetry, and I highly recommend it. Great. That's exactly the kind of thing we like to tell the world about. So I'm glad you're listening up, world. <laughs> Charlie, this is so great. Thank you so much for being so warm and welcoming <laughs> and for inviting me here. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for reading me poems. It's just great to hear your poetry. So folks, let me just say, I'm Charlie Rossiter. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here with our feature, Teresa Ziglowitz reading to us from Chicago. So you should just be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.